Welcome to the Mike on Much Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Veerman. We're here with our friend and trusted producer, Max Kerman. We also have our pop culture aficionado, Shane Cunningham. And for any listeners that have been messaging us or asking us about Erica, uh, she's incredibly busy. She's still on the team. She edits all the episodes, but she's just not around really anymore. Maxie, what's the deal? I feel like she got too busy. It's a good yeah, thing. Yeah, well, she, she does have a real job. Um, she works alongside your bro and yeah. has important stuff to do. So obviously we love her take on things like that. But uh, while she's in the thick of it, uh, we're not going to hear from her. But that's fine because you know what? We're the original three and I don't <laughs> regret it at all. Right? Well, we, we kept saying like, hey, we're recording at three. And then Erica just kind of stopped showing up one day and was like, send the files. I think she might have messaged me though on the side, which which is a good conversation about just like group work. You know, it is I, how much work gets done on email versus group text, you know, people being left out of group text. Like, for instance, we have a special guest that will be coming up on, an, on another podcast. And Shane didn't know because I because I made the decision in the moment to only text the guest, Mike and Ash. For whatever reason, my mind, I was like, I don't want to bug Shane about this. But uh, I feel like that's like a big workplace politics thing. Do you guys have to deal with that? Do you guys even have group text for your for your workplace? Because in Arkell's world, like there's a lot of group text. There's like the main one. And then there's the one with like Tony. Basically, Ash is in every single group text for sure. And then it kind of depends on who else needs to know. Do you guys have a group text at your work? I, I think you CC the whole department if it's like needs to be a department and then you break off and whoever's involved in that project, I, I think would be on the email. You don't you don't bring in people unnecessarily, but who's the arbiter of what's necessary and what is not? Right. Mm-hmm. Do you, you have some staff at this family tree, right, Shane? I do. Does Erica do some stuff for you too? Erica does some stuff and I have Jillian on staff. <laughs> and uh, yeah, we're, there's sometimes it's just Jill and uh, what's my wife's name? Alex working together. <laughs> and then uh, sometimes it's just me and Jill. But rarely do we all say the same thing in a, in a text. We're, we're very rarely in a group text. There's a program, though, called Asana. And I just can't figure out how to work mm. it. So mm. I stay out of it. And I just use Alex as the middleman to Jillian. I, w- I went for a walk uh, this weekend with a guy who's who's a big wig at some company. We're just kind of talking about this and that just tell us who it is no can't tell you who doesn't matter <laughs> doesn't matter but um he was just talking about how he has to manage like 65 different people and how his whole day is just pumping people up and trying to make them feel engaged in their work and i was like i kind of relate to that i think because i don't know if i do anything but i do talk to everybody like whether it's on our or in the label management and just try to get them to do stuff for me so I don't actually do anything except getting people to do stuff for me. But like when it comes to like a tangible thing, I don't know if there's one thing I do. I guess I write the songs, but or I start writing the songs. But after that, that's I don't pretty do important in a band, though, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It is important. But uh, but it, but I'm just the point is that like I like pumping people up. And my my point is, I want to ask you guys a question. Do you think I'd be a good executive? Do you think I could be like a president of a company? Yeah, hundred percent, definitely. Yes. Yeah, you have the exact personality of all the exact all the popular executives. Yeah, uh, and honestly, like managing personalities is a skill set. I think you know th- th- there was recently in a Raptors. I mean, you know, uh, hopefully everybody's fine with the Raptors camp, but like Nick Nurse and a bunch of his staff couldn't coach a game, and sort of one of the themes on Twitter was, "Are they going to let Kyle sort of be a player coach?" The first time it's like happened in decades. Uh, and then sort of they were asking Kyle and uh, Fred Van Vliet after the game, who would have been the best sort of player coach? And everyone just kind of assumed it was Kyle. But Fred was joking that Kyle didn't have the personality to manage other personalities on the team. <laughs> he's that, too petulant. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's like t- he'd be too hard. He doesn't know how to massage the the complex uh, sort of s- tapestry of personalities that you need to work all together for a basketball t- team to work. And I think, Max, you would be good, uh, you know, because you are a cheerleader. I think you like to bring the best out of people, but I think you can also handle when people are sort of tail going into a bit of a tailspin or have a crisis. I think you're right on all that, but I think I'd be bad at firing people. Oh, yeah. No, everyone would work with, for you forever. <laughs> You'd have the largest largest company ever because you just keep hiring people. And yeah, no one would I get can't fired. do it. I can't do it. Uh, Shane, do you think you'd be a good boss? What kind of boss would you be? I guess you are a boss already, but for like a big company, could you do it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's it? <laughs> Probably. Yeah, I, th- I think I could do it. I'm stern but fair. And then, uh, yeah, I'm, I think I'm good, boss. I think you would think I wouldn't be, but I am. I'm very nice. No, I think you'd be a good boss. You're also very hardworking too, which I think gets respect from people. Like you can really like kind of like zone in 
and really like take the stuff seriously. I think that'd probably be my biggest criticism is that sometimes it seems like I'm not even taking it seriously. So people are like, is this guy, he came mm-hmm. in late. He kind of left early. Does he really give a shit? I think that'd be my criticism. Uh, and I like, he, he insists on getting eight hours of sleep. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. I was like, and a nap in the afternoon. Like these are all things that I think my employees would disrespect me for. <laughs> the problem isn't the eight hours of sleep. It's the starting the eight hours at 2 a.m. And then just going the full eight hours. Yeah, yeah. 2 a.m. to 10. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Exactly. Insistence on the nap. That's a well, real Well, a midday too. nap too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just had one. So. Oh, yeah, that, nice. You do seem very awesome. fresh. That's good. <laughs> I find it interesting the idea of managing personalities uh, like from like that boss. Like it's something that like I think I, I could do it, but I don't think I really have any interest in it. Like Danica manages personalities. That's like part like her, part of her job is having a team and all that stuff. And, you know, we'll, we'll discuss sometimes the challenges that come with it. And I, I'm like, whether I could do it or not do it, I don't it, I don't find it super appealing. You know what I mean? The ideal of ascending to like a management position and running a situation like that. Like I'd, I'd much rather be like on the squad and be collaborative, I think. But I think if it came down to it, I could do it. Shane, do you think that I would be too... Do you think that I would be too soft or too hard when it came to managing people? I think you'd be too soft, if anything, if if we're making a discernible decision on what you would be too much of. But I think you'd be a good boss. The You would just have to like what you're doing and be into <laughs> it and like have a vested interest. Right, right. You know, I don't think you'd be a good boss at maybe like a, a candy shop or something. I don't know. Not that you don't <laughs> like candy. What's Randall like as a boss? He's good. <laughs> he's the yeah. best, man. <laughs> yeah. And he might just listen he to this pod, to the so pod, he's a I wonderful boss. Yeah. <laughs> no, well, for our listeners, your boss, your long-time boss is Randall Cunningham. and uh, <laughs> You mean Graham. Randall Graham? <laughs> Randall Graham. Graham. Well, the, Randall Cunningham is... Uh, that's a, a name. That is somebody. Yeah, he's a that's, quarterback. That's yeah. a quarterback for the Minnesota yeah. Vikings. <laughs> <laughs> Randall Cunningham, your boss, Randall Cunningham. Um, what's what, he's an eccentric figure because, like, when you think about like bosses in the creative field, he kind of like is almost a stereotype, right? He's got like the big beard and he's kind of crazy with his ideas, yeah. but he's very charming, very likable. You want to impress him a lot. Big heart. He's got a very really big, big heart. heart. Yeah. Um, but he, but, but he, I know what you mean. It's like if you were casting a creative director, <laughs> yeah. you would cast somebody with that mystique and kind of like that, you know, it's like, uh, I think uh, he'll say like sunset. And you're like, what? He's like, let's just work on that. And you're like, okay, all right. And, and, and there's like, a, there's a method to the madness, you know, he's going somewhere with it. And you go, okay, all right, let's go. That's fun. Hey, do you guys... Um, I don't know how many Zoom calls do you do with like clients or people that you don't work with normally, but are you doing the thing where you're judging people a lot based on the Zoom call and then maybe over the course of a call, your impression will change of the person or you can judge or you think you know them immediately based on like what they're wearing in the picture that day? Have you guys, because I feel like I've been doing a lot of Zoom calls lately and I, I think oh, that person's a real dud. Or I'm like, oh, this person's really impressing, impressing me. Like, do you guys go through that? Not really what they're wearing. I, for some reason, I judge people by their Zoom delay. Like, if it's really <laughs> bad or they're really, <laughs> or if they're really gritty, I'm like, ah, oh, well, get a better connection. What are you doing? Like, that's the spot you chose. Are you an idiot? But, th- but that's it. If they, if they, not how they look or their background. Ironically, today for our listeners, Shane has the worst <laughs> Zoom so delay. Bad. Sorry, continue, Mike. <laughs> bad today. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god I, I well i think in general like what you're asking max like on its surface sounds like a little bit um superficial you're being like oh i'm making snap judgments you know what i mean you're judging a book by its cover right yeah. uh cool. and then maybe letting it reveal itself now whether you want to admit you do it or not i think we all make a million sort of judgments and assessments in seconds immediately you do that walking down the street you do that with the when you're buying something at the grocery store like it just happens so of course it happens on on zoom a little bit yeah do you feel petty? Do you do? Are you are you embarrassed of this sort of trait that you have, or are no, you just no, leaning I think, in? I think I'm pretty accurate most of the time. I, <laughs> I like being impressed by people too. Like that's one of my favorite things is when you meet someone for the first time. You're like, oh, this guy, this person, this woman, they get it. Like, and they're and they're going to be fun to collaborate with. So, got you, got yeah. you. What was like your worst letdown story of somebody? Oh, somebody. Hmm. Usually, just like low energy and conservative by nature, because I feel like a lot of the ideas that I have, like I need buy-in and somebody to be able to like see into the distance and like know that it could work and be exciting and a win for everybody. Yeah. And when people are just like, you can just tell 
are don't really like their jobs that much and are just excited for it to be five o'clock and don't really take any joy in the job that's where you're not really getting anywhere where you're like okay this is this is a person like i don't even know what you do all day but i don't know but so far we've been we've been pretty lucky to work with like on our immediate team arkell's world like booking agent label management like everybody is really good and and that's and that's been actually the best part of the job is that we've actually worked long enough with each other that they know my rhythms and know the speed that I like to work and it's and it's great. So no no complaints for for the immediate team, that's for sure. Uh, Mikey, why do you look tired? You look a little tired. I literally, well, what happened was I literally just got out of the shower. Like, honestly, today's been like a crazy busy day. So I literally been like running around and I kind of skidded into this. We're recording this at four o'clock on a Monday. And I, I, I just got out of the shower. I was like trying to time this. I was on like other calls. And anyway, long story long is I literally just got out of the shower and I put some moisturizer on my face. And so I've kind of got this weird kind of like spent running around look. My hair is very floofy right now as well because it's doing the old natural like dry. I'll probably put a toque on at some point. You've now made me looks, feel very self-conscious, man. No, I think it looks cool. I, it, it just feels like, you know, I know you had a busy day already today. You yeah. can't tell people they look tired though, Max. <laughs> I know it's about the, the most like, immediately get someone off their game. Sorry. You that was, look that, tired, that but it looks right. cool. It's, <laughs> it's a podcast, you know? I, I didn't have to get all ready or anything, but I am going to put a toque on now. I feel like my floofy hair is adding to the tiredness. <laughs> is is floofy a word? I think floofy is a word. No, it's not. Well, no? Fluffy. Fluffy. Oh, sure, sure. It depends on the, the part of the country you're, you're from, though. I'll say that. Get out of here, Mike. Yo. Is floofy a word? Yeah. It's a, how, what does floofy mean? Like a dog can be floofy. What? Isn't like it a fluffy? poodle is floofy. Fluffy, floofy, tomato, no. tomato. That's what it, that's what it sounds no, like it's to me not. we're talking about. Really? <laughs> wow. Okay. I got to research this. We're looking it up right now. So it, floofy might not be uh, uh, in the actual dictionary. It looks like it's in the uh, <laughs> floofy. All right. Yeah. Feathery, puffy, light, airy, or windswept. How do you spell this? You know what? To Shane's point. <laughs> so floofy is spelled F-L-O-O-F-Y. Okay. Uh, it is defined, but in all the dictionary uh, spellings, it's fluffy. Yeah. So I guess floofy is a more like um, slang. I guess it's slang. It is not a real word. Yeah. Okay. Guys, did I tell you about this book that I was reading uh, about a dictionary maker? Was his name Webster? No, it sounds like <laughs> a good one. Yeah. <laughs> no, well, um, I, Matt Galloway, did I not tell the story on the podcast? He, he's, a, you know, Matt Galloway on the CBC. He's a very like respected broadcaster. He recommend, he tweeted yes. about this book called The Liar's Dictionary. He said, this is really a fun, charming read. Go get it. I was looking for something to read. So I, I got it. And the book is about someone who writes the dictionary, literally writes the dictionary in London. And it kind of takes place at the turn of the century, like 1899 and modern day. And it kind of each chapter goes back and forth between employees that work at this like third rate dictionary maker. They're not Oxford Dictionary. They're not Webster's Dictionary. They're like in the seventh place. It's kind of like a struggling industry. But anyway, I would wake up every morning and try to kind of ease my way into the day with not being on a screen by reading a book. But the whole book is about words and made up words. So I couldn't understand any of it. Like every page took me about 25 minutes to read because I'm like, what the fuck? So, so resentful of Matt Galloway. So every morning while I was trying to like relax into my day, I was just kind of cursing Matt Galloway. I was like, fuck Matt Galloway. Why did he recommend this book? I fucking hate this book, but it's only 270 pages and I'm going to fucking finish this book. So anyway, I'm kind of getting to the tail end of it. And this was like last night and I went to my folks place for dinner. And I was telling them how I was like really resenting Matt Galloway, who is, by the way, a beloved figure in Toronto. Like people love Matt Galloway. He's like- I went unanimous. to an NBA, uh, NBA playoff game with Matt Galloway. Yeah, he's like so smart. He's like a veteran broadcaster. He's got great taste. He's like an awesome guy. I know him personally. But every morning I'd wake up going, ah, fuck Matt Galloway. This should be the title of the episode, by the way. <laughs> uh, and, then, and then my mom goes, what, what's the book called? Uh, she's, I was like, Liar's, Liar's Dictionary. She's like, I just finished that book. And then my mom, and by the way, the chances my mom and I reading the same novel are is about zero percent, right? Like I don't read. I probably read about four novels a year, and I most of you know our our interests wouldn't overlap at all. So I was like, "You read the book?" She's like, "Yeah, I read about it somewhere in the paper, and I picked it up and I got it." And then my mom and I ended up talking about it for like the next twenty five minutes about the book. And the more we talked about it, the more I liked it. 
and it ended up being this really nice like moment at dinner where like my mom and I shared this thing. And then I was like, God bless Matt Galloway. Like this, this thing, this funny coincidence would never have happened if it wasn't for that guy. So uh, anyway, we're back on Team Galloway and uh, I don't recommend that book though. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but let's get to some subjects. What, uh, what, what are we talking about today, uh, Mikey? All right. Let's get to some subjects. Well, there's a lot going on. Uh, let's do current events right now. Maybe we'll get this out nice and quick, you know. Uh, the Golden Globes aired last night. Uh, it was obviously an unconventional Golden Globes. The last time the Golden Globes uh, aired, we were still in the old world. It was almost right on the precipice of, of the world changing with COVID, obviously. Uh, one, did you guys watch it? Max, I know you watched it because you were messaging the group. Mm-hmm. Shaney, did you watch it? I caught it at after 1030. Okay. <laughs> For the last uh, 10 minutes of the Half show. Half hour, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. um, hosted by uh, Amy Poehler and Tina Fey. Once again, uh, they had hosting duties. They hosted it from opposite coasts. Uh, Amy Poehler was in LA, I believe, and Tina Fey was in New York. And a lot of the nominees were just on Zoom, just like we're doing right now. And so whenever they would have a, a, a category come up, uh, they would have the five sort of nominees up on a, on a Zoom, and then they would announce, and then the winner would have to make a speech while they kept the other four winners up on the fucking <laughs> Zoom. It was a very, very weird situation, but like right from the opening monologue, uh, you know, I'm watching it and they're trying to do this thing and you know, they did the best with what they had, but then the very first, uh, winner of the night, Daniel Kaluuya, uh, he, he went to speak technical difficulties, like immediately, yeah. like no audio as they're making a speech. And at that point, me and Danica, I was like, Danica, I cannot watch this. I'm like, it's actually depressing me that Amy and Tina have to do this weird comedy routine, like on different coasts and the timing's all weird. I'm like, and now the first speech is just like, I, I'm actually literally just like dying of embarrassment because of the technical difficulties. And I, I we bounced and we threw on episode one from season uh. one of, of The Office. Uh, and then <laughs> <laughs> we just wanted to feel good, man. And it wasn't making me feel good it just reminded me of the pandemic so but then once you started texting and i knew we were gonna be talking about in the pod i did because i taped it i ended up kind of going through and seeing some moments so i did see some moments uh what were your thoughts maxi you know i think most people think it was a disaster and uh, there was a someone on twitter uh by the, who, by the name of uh richard rushfield he he tweeted i'll, I'll repeat one more time if 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 the oscars took a year off from self-congratulation uh, for entertainment that entertain no one and use the time to raise money and awareness for the many, many people suffering around the world, think about how much bigger, more noble, more glamorous Hollywood would seem. Compare that to how much smaller and prettier it looked last night. Last exit to self-respect, Oscar. There's still a chance. So this guy's making the argument, Don't let's learn the, la- the lessons from the Golden Globes, not do it. I actually take the other side of this one, guys. <laughs> I actually, you know what? Like the Raptors were canceled last night, obviously because yeah. of COVID protocol. I was, I need something to watch in the evening. Obviously, there's not much like entertainment happening right now. And so, even though you're right, it was a bit of a gong show. Weird stuff happened that I found to be actually more memorable than a normal Golden Globes. Like for instance, um, Jason Sudeikis. His speech was so fucking weird. Do you want to describe, Mike? Yeah, Shaney, did you see the Sudeikis speech? No, tell me about it. It was bizarre. Okay, <laughs> Mike, read your text to the group was so funny. Oh, so he wins for for Ted Lasso, <laughs> and you know he's got like uh, Don Cheadle in the window and Eugene Levy in the window, and like sort of all the other nominees. And they and 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 I think they told the nominees to dress up. So you know, women were still in gowns, fellows were in tuxes, things of that nature. But Jason Sudeikis just showed up wearing a hoodie. Uh, that I guess his sister designed like a tie-dye hoodie and he he wins. Like, I don't know if it was a surprise or a shock, but he seemed very surprised, but he just seemed like really, I don't know, <laughs> like life is really kind of just you know it's going at this point it's just on autopilot it felt like yeah he was struggling for sentences like yeah your tweet to the group uh, your text to the group was the Sudeikis speech, speech was interesting felt very much like me in the aftermath of being dumped by Danica circa 2007 <laughs> that's that's what it reminded me of Shane Shane knew me then we hung out a lot he just had that where it's like it's like that and obviously you know you don't want to speculate but him and 
his wife are separated and she's hanging with Harry Styles, which is that's you know, all I could think about. That is all I could think about was was he's like, you know, the, they say three things about life. It's like <laughs> one, be here, be there. And he's just like kind of like rattling off these weird expressions with like dead eyes. <laughs> yeah, like but kind of on the brink of tears. I don't know if it's because he was overwhelmed that he won, but like I was like, oh, I've I've been there, man. Like where you're just kind of like trying to stay positive, you know, and you're kind of putting together a thought, but he's so lovable. And I, I love that show, but I was just very much like, uh, oh, this kind of feels familiar only because I've been there, but who knows? Maybe he just, you know, was having a tough day. Did you see, you didn't see the speech though, Shaney boy? No, I'm not a huge Sudeikis fan though. Something about him seems very smug. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. Alex really likes him. A lot of women like him. Uh, where is he from, by the way? He's from like the Midwest. He, I think he's from Kansas. Yeah, he feels like he's got a Midwestern thing to him, yeah. which I find to be kind of endearing. But um, another thing that I kind of enjoyed was uh, Catherine O'Hara, Toronto's own. She won for Schitt's Creek, which was very exciting. But her husband was in the was like next to her on the couch, and I couldn't tell if it was a bit or not because she's kind of quirky, and I wouldn't put, I wouldn't put it past her to like go with a bit if she had won. But basically, her husband was sitting next to her, but on his phone while she was giving her acceptance speech, he kept on like looking down, like texting or something, and then. He started to like, I think, maybe I'm getting this wrong, but there's a lot of technical glitches. So I can't tell if there's a glitch on the on the Golden Globes part or on Catherine O'Hara's part. But he started to play her off with music. Like he hit a song oh, that like, was a during thing. her speech. But it was but it it was kind of funny, but because he was distracted by I think trying to pull up the song on his phone. So it, like it wasn't seamless, you know. They, sh- they probably should have had some- someone else in like the room playing her off. Um, but also because there's so many technical glitches already, it just sounded like a shitty cell phone like playing in the background. Like some music was very muffled, so that was weird. But I kind of liked that they went for it. Um, Shane, what part did you actually see? Um, geez, what what happened? Uh, oh, the woman <laughs> from Queen's Gambit one. Well, she won the award for the person that didn't look the most like themselves. You know, every award show, they should, like, when you see, like, who is that person? And you're like, oh, it's that person. I thought she didn't look anything like herself, as we know her from Queen's Gambit. Right. Oh, so you're doing it like a, a bit, like, a, yeah, like a pop culture kind of bit. She didn't, she actually won for a real award. <laughs> yeah, he said. Oh, oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that, <laughs> no, yeah, it's, that award does not exist. No, <laughs> no, it doesn't. It, actually no, it, doesn't yeah, it just threw me off because yeah. you, you seem like such like an e-talk celebrity uh i don't know commentator she won the award <laughs> he's a, he's a person who doesn't look like themselves now. yeah i'm not used to max talking that way so it threw me off it's like you were like Catherine o'hara's husband there i did couldn't tell if it was a bit or not um sorry i cut you off though what, what about her i was just gonna say yeah she had uh blonde hair <laughs> just to prove that i saw it it's not untrue um the I saw uh, that the two the actor and the actress Emma Corwin and I can't remember the fellow's name that played uh, Prince Charles and Princess Diana from The Crown. Mm. They both won uh, their categories, and uh, I'm a big fan. I, I I thought this season was very very good of The Crown, so I was happy to see them win. Have either of you guys watched The Crown? I have not. I mm. don't want to though. There's a lot that I haven't watched. I there's, yeah, geez. I think you would love this season. You don't even have to go back and watch it. Just watch the Princess Diana season. It's okay. Good. Yeah. Nice. I'll That's all that. we did. I haven't, I don't think I've seen, I definitely haven't seen season, like, I haven't seen it since season one and I watched one episode of season two and then I went away and then we literally came back probably because of the pandemic and uh, it was like perfect, like sort of like junk food. Jillian Anderson, I had thought for some reason she was British because in the show Sex Education, she did such a convincing British accent and she was doing an interview circuit where she spoke with that accent. So I was telling everyone, oh, did you know Jillian Anderson is British. This is like two years ago. And they were like, oh, I kind of heard that. And But yeah, oh, that that is kind of surprising. But turns out she was born in Chicago. I found that shocking. So this is a thing. This is like a legit thing because uh, I went down this road. Somebody tweeted a while ago because she was doing press for The Crown where she plays Margaret Thatcher in a British accent. And people are like, has she taken it too far? Like, what is, mm. is she method? What is going on? And then you go back and you look at clips of her on like, say like Letterman when she was on X-Files and she just sounds American. So you're like, okay, this is very weird. It turns out, I think she spent, even though she was born in Chicago, many formative years in England. Uh, so she came back with like a British accent, but then when she, be- she became Americanized, but then when I think she lives there, she's been in all these British productions. 
it now it came rushing back from her formative years. So now she's kind of like this nomad with her accent where she actually does speak British because that's where she lives. Does she speak mm. British? Is that a thing? Now she does yeah. speak British. La- la- <laughs> <laughs> but last night she was totally spoke like you or I. Yeah. Really? I was surprised by that too. I thought she was. Yeah. It, th- it threw me off and she looked amazing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she did. Uh, yeah, because she was in that other show where she was like a detective. It yeah, was the, a British show, The Fall. The Fall, I think? yeah, yeah she was yeah, really yeah. good in that. I love, I love her, man. I was. Were you guys big X Files fans? Not at all. So I'm late no. on her, and uh, yeah, I really like. I like her a lot now, though. Me too. Um, I thought Tina Fey and Amy were great, though. And you know, people were killing the opening monologue. I thought they did a pretty good job. Uh, I thought their writing is always so funny. They're such a good pair. Um, in terms of like, wh- what would you name like the the top three award hosts? Would you say if you had to guess? Because I think they're they might be my favorite. Like, yeah, who's better than them? Better than Ricky Gervais? Hmm. Oh, that's pretty fun too. I find Ricky Gervais is if you're looking to be like uh, like in shock a little bit, like he's the best at that. I think in terms of just like really clever. Like funny, I don't know, entertaining comedy. Like that kind of is is that kind of perfect middle ground. Um, it's still edgy, but also smart. It's not it's not as crass as Ricky Gervais, but I, I don't know. They occupy this like middle area, which I think is really good. Not not in a bad bland way, but just like it can appeal to a lot of different people. Gervais is like for a certain audience, I think. Yeah, his comedy kind of has the. Um the appeal of like danger. He might say something that makes you feel uncomfortable. And I think some comedy fans enjoy that because obviously you'd rather have, you know, stakes in your comedy. He might say something that is truly kind of like, um, like offensive, but like, like funny in a way that like other people would play it safe. Tina and Amy, um, I think maybe you're not, you're not concerned that they might say something that will offend somebody, but I do think that they still have like subversive and like funny and like sort of like envelope pushing jokes. Like I still, I don't think they're like, you know, uh, like PG or anything like that. So I think that they can get close to that Ricky Gervais line, um, while doing sort of being original and doing their own thing. They're all, they're, they're good in different ways. I think they're both great though. All three of them are great. Who are the other longstanding ones? It was like, what, Billy Crystal? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, Billy Crystal. Chris Rock. Mm, yeah. Chris Rock, so it's pretty good. I feel like J- uh, Jimmy Kimmel has done the Oscars. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's true. Uh, uh, Corden. Uh, Corden's done some stuff, has he? Or maybe mm, I made that up. He might have done uh, something. Okay, so here's my question to wrap this up. Do you think the Oscars should happen this year? Shaney, you take that. Uh, yeah, why, why not? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. On to the oh, let's go to commercial break, guys. <laughs> <laughs> no, because a- anything could be donated to charity right now. Well, like instead of I don't know eating chicken wings tonight, I could give the the money I'm spending on fast food to go to a charity. Yeah, I mean, whatever. Like, I know what you're saying, Max. Like, uh, the Golden Globes were kind of this weird pseudo-zombie Golden Globes that weren't even really the Golden Globes. And the Oscars are supposed to be this very prestigious sort of endeavor and the best of Hollywood and glam and all of that business. And it would kind of defeat the purpose if it's just a bunch of people on Zooms like we saw with the Golden Globe. Uh, But on the other hand, I don't know. It's a time capsule. It's It's sort of like a emblematic of what this time has been so when you look back on the 2021 oscars it will sort of be this weird thing that existed and max like you said you just want to be entertained what else are we going to do that night you might as well give them out like what are we just going to announce like the winners on sort of like in a press release i might as well hear some speeches why not the the last thing i'll say on this um you know people historically you know sometimes roll their eyes when actors go up there and talking about like the importance of their work and and they they often use the word brave. It's like what a brave performance, you know, like <laughs> yeah. like that kind of thing. And it always seems really like eye rolly to some, and I tend to agree. Um, I like Sasha Baron Cohen a lot. I think he's one of the greatest like comedians of our generation. He's a great writer. He's like a true original. He was up for the Borat movie and his performance in like the Chicago trial, trial yeah, of the seven, seven or whatever yeah, it's yeah. called. Um, and. It was he did that thing where he was like, you know, I saw what was happening with Donald Trump and democracy, and that's how I knew I needed to make Borat. And this is, you know, and I, 
This this is something that's really important and special. And him, I can understand delivering that speech like in front of a crowd of your peers and really pumping yourself up because like you feel the energy of the of the room and kind of getting carried away with that rhetoric, which I think is a little a little much. But doing that speech on a Zoom call felt especially stupid. Did you know? Did you did you hear his speech? And I was just like, dude, you're fucking on a Zoom call, and you're just talking about how your movie was made to protect democracy. Like, what the fuck are you talking? And by the way, he's super smart, and I like him a lot, and I think he stands for a lot of causes that I agree with. But it's just like you're drinking a little bit too much of your own Kool Aid there. I think I got a question though about that, and it's like we've we've talked about like sort of the self-importance of these people thinking that they're doing like sort of like um i don't know consequential work you know so then they ha- you know he give a speech like that that be- and it seems silly on its surface that being said we just came off of like four years where like a reality show host won an election and ultimately changed the course of history american history so it's like if someone has the power to like do that through the the sort of like I don't know, the strength of like reality television, if they can become famous and actually, you know what I mean? Mess with democracy or, or, or alter policy or the course of history in such a sophisticated way, then is it that crazy to think that like a movie done right can actually be a force for good and that maybe it does need to shine a light? Like, I don't know the answer, but I'm just saying it's, it's not as insane as it sounds when we look at what we just lived through. Like these things actually do have real world consequences and maybe a movie isn't silly because pop culture seems to be driving everything now like including mm-hmm. politics and policy and the way that we view things but well, max is just talking about this given the speech over zoom not the movie right no i think he's talking about the sentiment oh yeah i think the sentiment i think people tend to overvalue like their own stuff or not even overvalue it, but give it like more importance than it than it actually is maybe i don't know I, at least that's the way sasha baron cohen was like talking about himself and why he needed to make this movie like if it was like a divine intervention or something. And then you go, okay. And it's not to say that it doesn't change the way some people think or it isn't helpful like moving the thing along. But I just find it like a little off-putting for a guy who I think to be very self-aware to be talking in those like very granular terms. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I I, I didn't see his speech, but I think anything that's like self-congratulatory always seems like, uh, like a weird place to live. It's better to sort of be gracious in those moments. Okay, so for our listeners, we were having technical difficulties uh, on Zoom, uh, so we've taken this to uh, just old school style. We're all on the phone with each other. We can't see each other. It's just like three of us having a conversation on a phone, uh, but we're recording it, so let's see how this goes. Do you guys recall the first time you guys did like a three-way call? What was the the number? Remember like to, to like loop people in? Star 7-1, was it? Oh, my God, yes. Oh, I forgot about this. That was a big deal. Yeah, that and Star Six Nine, which is who called, right? Who called last? Oh, remember when your crush, like you just desperately wanted to know if it was like maybe your crush that called, so you'd like hit the Star Six Nine. It never was for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, actually, um, do you? Um, I just missed a phone call actually from a six four seven number, and it was. And then do you do the thing to see if it's like a landline or like an iPhone? And this person, it was an iPhone, and and so I just couldn't help myself. I was like, "Hi, who is this?" Because it was like an unlisted number. <laughs> you called back. Do you guys, how can you tell if it's a landline or an iPhone? Well, because you just bring their number into the text and either it's blue or green. Oh. Green, it could be uh, an Android, but it also could be an iPhone. <laughs> yeah, and the case, odds are it's a, a, uh, an Android. Not too many people have yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, in any case, I texted the number back and we'll, we'll see who it is. They have not got back to me yet. So. Oh, that's mm-hmm. exciting. A mystery. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. Um, but yeah, let's, let's see how this goes. This is going to be interesting. We're on the edge of our seat right now. I am. See how this goes. So yeah, um, I feel like it gave us a bit of juice. Mm-hmm. I can't see you guys. There's some mystery here. Well, what's the, what's the next subject? Well, I mean, speaking of mysteries, uh, Lady Gaga uh, has been in the news <laughs> because her dog walker uh, was walking the dogs and was shot uh, and the dogs were taken. Uh, it's a bit of a mystery. I, I literally was just before we got on this podcast was reading a bit of an LA Times article. They still don't have a suspect or a motive. They think that taking the dogs was the reason, uh, but they don't think that the people knew it was Lady Gaga's dogs. Uh, a woman returned the dogs, I guess, to the police station. Uh, she got her dogs back. I don't know how the reward thing worked. I didn't get fully through the LA Times article before we had to start. Again, like I said, guys, I was really skidding into this episode today. Uh, it's been a busy <laughs> one, but what a bizarre, bizarre story what what did you guys think when you saw this headline 
I thought they were being uh, stolen for ransom. Obviously, that 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 would unless they're just really expensive dogs. But yeah, it seemed like that would be the only logical conclusion you could come to was this person was. This dog walker was targeted merely by the fact that it was Lady Gaga's dog walker. Yeah, I, that's what I assumed. Um, and well, two parts of the story really stick out to me. One is the, the amount of money that she put up, which which is a lot of money. But then it begs the question: How much money would you guys pay Ooh. for if your dog was stolen? And I asked this question uh, the other day to a bunch of people who have dogs, uh, and. Turns out people will pay a lot of money to retrieve their their dog. Like they'll take out loans. I was, I was talking to some guys yesterday. They're like, "Oh yeah, like I would take out a loan to get my dog back," which which seems kind of crazy to me. The other part of it is that the LAPD, I guess, or other law enforcement, is annoyed with Lady Gaga because it actually sets a bad precedent that you know people are willing to negotiate with terrorists. And now, if I am a dog walker in LA or in New York City, I'm just going to go target those. No, if I want to, you know, steal a dog, I'll target those rich neighborhoods, knowing that there's people that are loaded that will do anything to get their dog back. So, um, I do. Do any of you guys have a dog? Well, let's go with your cat, Shane. Uh, I, I mean, Mike, because I know more about Mike's cat. How much would you pay if somebody stole your cat? Well, I have two beloved cats, Dutchie and Rafi. Turns out you have two. No one yeah. knew. Yeah, um, they look very similar. They're both tuxedo cats. Uh, mm-hmm. Well, here's the thing, Max. You know. We're somewhat public people on this podcast. I can't go putting a number out there or I become a target <laughs> for catnapping. <laughs> That's true. Let's just say that Danica loves, loves, loves those cats with everything in her soul. And so, and, and I do too, but not as much as Dan. If anything ever happened to either of those, those two uh, free critters, we would, it, you know, it, we would be devastated and we would probably, you know, do whatever it took to get them back. Yeah, maybe I'll become like, like, uh, like Mel Gibson and Ransom. That's an old school reference. But Give me like, back my cat. Give me back my cat. <laughs> <laughs> but okay. So 50 G's, would you give it up for the cat burglar to return the cats? <laughs> Man, I, I I can't go on record because if I say I would, that's insane. If I say I wouldn't, Danica's going to be pissed at me. So yeah, I mean, <laughs> come on, fifty k. No, come on. I I'm gonna I I'm not gonna find fifty k. That would be madness. Yeah, you don't want to do that. Shane, do you have a cat? You have a cat, right? I do. I inherited a cat uh, because the well, originally we were adopting the ki- or no, not adopting. Originally we were just looking after Alex's grandma's cat, but then she died. So then we uh, permanently have it now. It's a very oh, nice the grandma. Okay. Yeah, it's a very the yeah the sorry the grandmother died. We were supposed to be temporarily looking after the cat, but unfortunately the grandmother died, so we were never we weren't able to return the cat. But it's a very nice sedated type of cat. You can rub its belly. Some cats don't like their belly rubbed, and I don't like those type of cats. This one also doesn't shed a lot of fur, but I don't like changing kitty litter and I do not ever want pets after this one perishes. Mm, so so what's your number then? Like 10 bucks? Would that be your limit? No, I think if it if it went away and someone stole it, we would just say, hey, that's the way the cookie crumbles. It's the cat's a little bit older. And I think we would just accept that we no longer have a cat. I, I would look for it a little bit, but I wouldn't go on a mad scramble looking for it like we have two children and uh i i think that's uh yeah i'm just gonna leave it there (laughs) what's the number that you'd that you'd pay for uh to get your kid back oh i'd I'd pay i'd pay upwards at least like over a thousand for sure depending on which one (laughs) see betty i don't know her as well so i'm less attached You're less attached. That's fair. Yeah. Lucy, um, though, uh, like a lot of money just because yeah. I and the more now that she's two, she has a personality and I know her a lot better. Mm. Mm, fair <laughs> enough. <laughs> um, the, the other part of this story, which is great, is that the poor dog walker was shot. And it oh, seems yeah, to be yeah. an, an aftermath of this. Yeah, the human being that was the shot and almost murdered. Well, um, this is what's I put this in the pod group, but it is such a bizarre story. Like, like it is so bizarre from top to bottom that it literally feels like the opening of a Law and Order episode, where this <laughs> this thing happens and you think that it has to do with Lady Gaga and the do- dogs, but then you realize it doesn't, and it's like the dog walker owned money owed money to the mob, and then that comes out over the course Hold of on, the that, investigation. That, that's true. 
No, no, he, no. He's just saying what would be weird. <laughs> oh, if it, oh, like, okay. okay. <laughs> like it, 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 on its surface, it seems like this is because Lady Gaga is famous that, that this crime took place with Gaga as the main motivator. But then it turns out it literally is completely unrelated. You know what I mean? It's just so bizarre. I feel like if it was CSI or one of those shows, it would turn out that the dog walker shot himself because he yes. wanted her attention. <laughs> she was about to let him go. Yeah. Uh, of course, this, obviously, this is a real person who's been shot. And we feel bad. But because the story is so bizarre, you're just like, this literally feels like fiction. Uh, and who, who knows how it will resolve. But yes. are they all better now? The person who got shot? He's on the road to recovery. Yeah. Yeah. He's, I think he's going to be okay. I wonder if he still gets paid for time off. <laughs> what his benefits are? Yeah, I don't <laughs> know. Sick days. <laughs> you know what? That, that um, I feel like if you could land a gig being like uh, a helper to a very like rich and famous person, it could go kind of either two ways. One, you're either like neglected and treated like shit and underpaid, or you kind of land with someone dope and they like bring you into their circles and you have like an awesome life. Cause like, look at like Monica and Dax or like Sona and Conan that we're talking about Dax Shepard and Conan O'Brien and their assistants. Um, like, Monica is is becoming a star of her own and is like basically part of that family and she's like lucked into this like awesome situation. I wonder uh I wonder what the situation is with Lady Gaga and that dude. If she's like a good boss or a tough one. I don't know. Sorry, I, obviously we don't know. But uh that would be It's uh, it's an interesting thought like cuz you always see all of these like ancillary people that are around famous people like or they become best friends with their assistants because it's like it's somebody around, it's somebody they trust. How do you like, yeah, it's such an interesting sort of um, field to go into. Like, how do you, I guess, like, do you, do you have ambitions to do something more? Like when you become Conan's assistant, like, did you want to be a comedy writer or did you just want to be in show business? Like, what is the motivation to get to that point? And then once you're there, what, you know what I mean? What are the next steps? Like, is there just, you just like apply to be an assistant in these places? Yeah, I don't know. Like I a, think so. I think some people just like doing that type of work. Like my sister from the a very young age, she was obsessed with the idea of being a secretary. Hmm. Is she a secretary now? No, but she's in that field, like filing stuff. And I don't know, really know what <laughs> she's doing, but she was super into it. Like it was her number one option to be a secretary. Yeah, hmm. There you go. And I, cause I think if you really want to be a comedian or something, I think that's not what someone like Conan or Dax would want. They want somebody who's just comfortable and really good at being the assistant. Yeah. Yeah. Not, not another personality because they're just dealing with personalities right. all day long. Huh. Like yeah. imagine manager Ash wanted to be a lead singer of a band. Like, wouldn't that bother you a little bit, Max? <laughs> yeah. She was always like pushing her demos on me and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That'd be a nightmare. <laughs> I mean, gosh, she's really good, but she won't stop singing around me. Just like, like, uh, and they're not, she's not even singing popular songs. She's just singing her own stuff. <laughs> like what's, what, what song is that? Oh, this little thing. Uh, it's my song. <laughs> <This little> thing. <laughs> so what, so yeah, how does, how does, how does this resolve? You know, do, do they catch the dog nappers? What do you guys uh, think? I think <laughs> I like how they're just called dog nappers too and not attempt <laughs> attempted murderers. Attempted murderers. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the crime to Lady Gaga is more egregious yeah. than the actual physical harm done to the walker. It's wild how our brains do that. It's like it's a dog story. No, like you said, Shane, it's an attempted murder story. <laughs> Um, okay, uh, guys, it's time to move on to Shane's surprise. And listen, if this episode feels a little light, a little short for our listeners, we do apologize, but we've been having crazy technical difficulties today. So we're just, we're rolling with it. We're trying to make it work. Shaney, what do you have for us? I wanted to talk about brain fog. And the reason I want to talk... <laughs> <laughs> for our listeners this was going to be our third subject before the surprise and we literally just cut it and now shake's bringing it back in the surprise no the reason is this is something i've been suffering from and today was brutal for me like it was it was like mike and i'm glad you were running a little bit behind too because i have been feeling so far behind every day and that i'm never going to catch up so i really liked the subject of brain fog and i i just couldn't find the time to come up with a Shane surprise. Like normally when anyone who has children, the nap time is the ideal time to start really working. And, and you have about two hours or two and a half, if you're lucky 
to put your nose to the grindstone and get shit done. But today, Lou just decided she was going to have a tantrum her entire nap period, which is now called quiet time because she doesn't actually fall asleep during this two-hour window anymore, but she usually just plays quietly. Anyway, today my my entire period was overrun by this this nap, this quiet time, which turned into a tantrum. So I had no time to actually come up with a Shane surprise. And it, I think it's really fitting for us to talk about brain fog. So w- what is this topic? Uh, is there an article or something? <laughs> it's, uh, it's, uh, there's a New York Times piece about sort of how COVID is affecting our ability to sort of remember simple things like even words we use. You know, we're we're, kind, we're all yes. in sort of this this weird space where because we're overwhelmed uh, with information and sort of tasks, uh, little things that used to be normal of trying to find that word that, you know what I mean? You just can't find it. It's just not there. Uh, and so, I, you know, I guess a lot of people are sort of um, afflicted by this. They're noticing this. I forgot my wife's name at the beginning of this podcast. You absolutely did. You did. Um, and you know, it's funny, I hadn't really thought about it. Like I know that I'm in the, I know I feel blah a lot. I know that I'm not like peak myself. Um, and, and I'd said a little while ago on this pod that we knew January and February were going to be very, very like sort of difficult as we get through the cold months and we're all isolated and, and whatnot. Uh, but until Maxi, you sent that article and I kind of started reading it, I don't think I really thought about what might be causing it other than just sort of the things that have been happening since a year ago. But yeah, it feels like there there's this real connection between the way that our brains are processing the everyday sort of information that we're getting and then our ability to sort of then just communicate. And so I'm feeling it too. And Shane, I, I know you, you know, we were talking as well, like last week, just about how overwhelming things can be. Max, do you find that you're, you're feeling this as well? Oh, absolutely. I, I forgot a person's name the other day. Um, I, yeah, constantly feeling like there's not enough hours in the day. I, and I, you know, I think everyone's going through a version of this. Um, I have been really trying to monitor my rhythms as, as much as I can. And I know that getting outside and going for walks is, has been really helpful. And in this article, they talk about how like even looking at photos of, of the environment is actually quite calming and helpful. Uh, and let alone going out for like a 25 minute walk, even on a cold, brutal winter day is actually better than staying inside. I think, um, kind of related back to what I was saying earlier in the pod about reading. Um, I feel like we have so much, uh, so much screen time, which is obvious, but all these little short bursts of, you know, whether it's a Twitter headline or whether it's an Instagram picture or a TikTok video, that stuff, um, you know, the dopamine hit is real. Um, but it, ex- it ends up exhausting me and, and I wish I set aside more time to read because I just feel different when I, when I'm kind of like looking often like at a, not even like, um, a, a digital book, like a real life book or like a real life newspaper. I've been, I've been buying the newspaper on the weekends. Um, but I have also noticed that I don't watch any movies anymore and I have a hard time setting aside two hours or an hour and a half to watch a movie. I hardly even watch any television either. And I think even that is better than all the little mini hits that we get all day. So I think that has contributed to the brain fog is that it's just like a lot of quick little hits that, that, and all, what are you doing with your time though? Like you don't, you don't have any children. You're, you're in a, you're not touring. What are you doing? What am I doing? I don't fucking know. Like the days <laughs> just evaporate. It's a good question. They do. I mean, I'm, I'm working a lot and I do watch the, like the Raptors and Leafs and they seem to be on every other night now, which is good. And I, and I've been trying to exercise and go for walks and stuff. So like, but it's just kind of, I don't know. We have a lot of ideas that we're always trying to like work through for our cows. So like, mm-hmm. you know, we can be going till like nine or 10 at night. Most nights, just like thinking about stuff related to like when we can put out new music again and when we can tour again. Hmm. Um, and, and then, and sprinkled throughout the day though, is this constant, Oh, I'm going to go check on Twitter. I'm sure the second we, we finish this podcast, I'm going to go on Twitter and refresh all my apps uh, and think about how, and also a big part of our business now is like engaging in TikTok and thinking about that. And so that, that's also taking up time. So I don't know. I think, um, Shane, like, I know you're a dad, so it's like hard to, to find the time, but like anything that's like not on a screen, but it's like a deeper level of engagement, whether it's in conversation, 
or physical exercise or a book or a newspaper, I think that that helps. I think because that's the only thing that makes me feel good right now. Yeah, for me, it's like uh, I, I wish I could have more screen time because <laughs> <laughs> it's just with the two kids on daycare. One's always wanting the attention, and I'm just like, I just want to look at my phone. I just want to scroll Instagram like that. Is, like I feel like I don't even have time to do the thing that sucks up all my time. Yeah, I I found that the the most bizarre phenomenon is happening people have sort of talked about this before but like i've never it's never felt more like time is moving super slow but also super fast simultaneously and also you know max you're saying that these days evaporate it's like it feels like we have like a day will start and it's like oh i've got like a full day it is 6 30 a.m i'm up with the kid and then before you know it, it's four o'clock and I'm supposed to be on a podcast. And it's like, where the fuck is the time going? It's all, it's, it's like, it's like everything's flowing together. It's like, it's like, it's been a year since the pandemic started. Uh, and sometimes it feels like things are moving so slow. And then you go, it's been a year. How did, what happened? Where did it go? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then that, I find that's happening with the days as well. You know, before you know it, it's 10 o'clock at night and you're like, oh, I guess, I guess I'm going up to the bedroom now. But I'm like, it was just like one in the afternoon. So I, I feel like this, whatever this weird sort of pandemic, this grand experiment with the way that we live and sort of spend our days, it's messing with my perception of time in general, I find. Yeah. The fastest period of time that goes by is from when Lou wakes up till nap time. Like that's like nothing. And then before I know it, it's, it's bed. Oh wait. Yeah. Kids. Did, did you say something, Shane? Oh, the children are here. Say hi, Lucy. <laughs> no. Say hello. No, I won't. Oh, she said no, I won't. All right, I'm going to <laughs> run away from these kids here. Daddy. Yeah. Daddy, how do you turn it on? I don't know how to work that toy. Mommy's coming though. Is mommy going to work it? Yes. Mommy. Sorry, I'm just running. The kids run a car ride and now they're home. I'm just hiding to another room, which is good because I can actually do this now that uh, I'm just carrying the Zoom. But continue. Sorry. Put Lou on the phone and we'll we'll wrap it up like this. I'll ask her a question. Okay. No. Lu- Lucy. What? Okay, you're going to talk to Max on the phone for a second. Come here. No. Why not? <laughs> this is Max from the band Arkells. <laughs> hey, Lucy. How are you doing? <gasps> Lucy knows your name. I don't want you. <laughs> <laughs> this segment, Lucy, you're ruining the the segment right now. We're we're trying to do something funny. You can just talk to Max. No, I won't talk. Hey, Lucy, I have a question for you. Lucy, <laughs> this is a disaster. <laughs> Ask her a question, Max. She'll answer. Hey, Lucy, is is your dad a good dad? No. <laughs> <laughs> See? That's not nice.